Hey, Levi. Uh, dude, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks, I, AD. I guess that's uh, it's a little fake because we've been sitting here talking <laughs> for about an hour. And I, hate, I hate being fake, so. Uh, but I'm glad you're doing good. Uh, what has Thanks. you doing good? What, what What's going on in your life right now? Oh my now? gosh, that's <laughs> this is getting very deep and personal right off the bat. Um, um, I think the things that are good are that Honor is growing and Honor doing, baby. Yeah, she's like doing really well. It's cool to see her grow. Yeah, I feel like Hills is uncovering her passion for food and for things like that, which sweet, is exciting. Sweet. And I, I love following both of them on Instagram. They you are, know, whenever they I see the photos. There was one you posted of the two of them, or you and uh, Honor sipping straws. Yeah. <laughs> sipping, I was like, oh my gosh, that's cute. It was, I literally, I got some, we got some kombucha and I, Honor got water. I got kombucha and I, it was like this little cup and it's like eight ounces of water. And I was like, she's not going to drink that much water. And I set it in her little stroller and we just kept walking and she drank the whole she drank thing. She drank the whole thing. <laughs> drank the whole thing. And so that was, that was really fun. Um, and I feel like just things with work have been more clarifying of like what hap- what's happening next for myself and where things are going, which is good. So I feel like things are generally pretty good. What about you? Uh, I'm good, man. I, I I don't know if I like kombucha. Do you? What's wrong with you uh, kidding me? I don't know. It's like that. How can you be an ultimate hipster champion without liking kombucha? How can you be making sourdough bread and not like kombucha? (laughs) I am making sourdough bread. I have starter upstairs. AD was literally making a starter. He was working on a starter when I walked in. (laughs) Well, it was a 15-year starter from (laughs) Santa Cruz. He was working on a 15-year-old starter when I walked in. Yeah, so for those those hipsters out there that don't know uh, about the next phase in hipsterdom, uh, you need to start making your own sourdough bread because it's healthier there's only four ingredients, three or four ingredients, if if you include air or temperature or time. Um, yeah, those are the elusive. Those, that's the elusive fourth ingredient. Uh, time, <laughs> time, proof time. You know, it's very important. Um, you have to. It takes like a day. It takes like a full day to make a loaf of bread, like a proper loaf. Like that this. seems crazy. Because you have to like punch it down and then let it rise and then punch it down again and flip it over and blah 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 and then let it rise again and. You know, it could take even two days or something, you know, for proofing. Anyway, it could take a week. It could take two weeks. I mean, I don't know about that. Okay. That's just crazy. Yeah, but yeah, things are good, man. Just uh, hanging tight. I love to dance. And so I, whenever I get to go dance, um, I feel alive. And I also love springtime. Uh, I love uh, gardening and getting my garden ready. Um, Is your garden? Are you getting it ready right now? My, I went out the other day cause I didn't put it to bed properly last at the end of last season. And so there's a lot of like old, like tomato plants that are still in there. Yeah, in their spot. Right. And so, yeah. And so I need to, I was going to do it a few days ago, but it was just so dry. So I was waiting for it to rain so that everything would be easier to pull up. And so it's going to be, I think we're having a bomb cyclone possibly today. Yeah. So, so- Hillary has always been in the mentality. She's always done it this way, where she always waits to plant until after Mother's Day. Yeah. Do you is that the same for you? Uh, yes and no. So uh, I'll take my tomato plants just because it takes them a, a long time to go to fruit, and so I'll start them probably this week inside. Yeah. Okay. And I have these little tiny containers and put the little seeds in there, um, or I might actually buy already seeded things and I'll just grow them inside until just before they start fruiting and then I'll replant them in containers outside but I also put my tomato containers I I grow them in uh, buckets because here in Colorado you know that the weather is so unpredictable and so after 
uh, Mother's Day, it still might snow, but Mother's Day is the safe day. Normally it's like, okay, it won't drop below 50 degrees after Mother's right, Day, and yeah. that's why people wait. But then you have to wait for things to start yielding. Right, and yeah, so, I mean, that's yeah. part of the problem with that is like, well, then typically we have things happening. And so we usually, like, this year we're going to be going on, on a trip to Spain at the end of May. So I was like, do I wait? It's only two weeks after Mother's Day. So do I have some water in my garden? Do I water my plants? Do I wait take it back? And then at that point, you just keep pushing back your Yeah, I'll go water down. your plants. That's, uh... All right. Yeah. Um, Dang it. Why I said that too quickly? <laughs> it's, it's, Did it's, I just walk into the, that? You just walked into that. Perfect. This is all, right. Everything's going according to my plan. Um, um, but yeah, because I feel like that's the part of the problem is like sometimes we won't have stuff yielding until July or August because yeah. we are late to the punch. And so there are cold weather plants too. Uh, so there are some things like I think arugula is pretty hardy. Uh, there's some lettuces that you can plant early and then they'll grow and they'll be fine. And so I'll, grant, I'll plant a certain... Uh, like line in the garden with that kind of stuff. And then, uh, after that, uh, I will, uh, I'll wait. And this so tomatoes, since they're in those little buckets, if it snows, I can bring them back inside mm. or I don't have a garage, but if I had a garage, I'd put them in the garage that way they're warmer. And that's, and I can also move them around during the season. So that, since I only have like my small backyard, yeah. well, it's not that small, but you know, like only so, only so much garden space. That's yeah. Dedicated. So when the yeah. sun starts moving over the time, I can move my, uh, my tomato plants around. In the, Do you typically in the get a pretty good yield from tomatoes? Okay. So, uh, this was my obsession last year. So I, I love tomatoes and I was on route to getting an amazing yield. Um, I could go into this for hours, but uh, <laughs> last year I didn't get a, the greatest yield as I wanted. I, I had a lot of um, uh, heirloom tomato plants. Like pretty much all of them came from heirloom uh, strains, which sometimes can be a little bit more finicky to take care of. An heirloom strain just means that it's been, uh, it's been directly sort of uh, what's the word when you control a strain of of anything. It's anyway. It's been controlled for uh, seven generations, I think. And so, after the seventh generation of that tomato, it is now an heirloom tomato. And so that's how, like, if I want to crossbreed, you know, like a black cherry with a black crim or something like that, and make a black cherry crim tomato. If I do that seven times and get that seventh generation of that plant, is now an heirloom tomato. Okay. Yeah. and so uh, I did that, but heirloom tomatoes, some of them might not last or have the same sort of hardiness or, the, you know, they, they're newer or sometimes they're newer. Um, and so anyway, they, they, mine were subject to blossom end rot, which is just where the end of the tomato starts to, uh, starts to rot. And it just means that there's a calcium deficiency inside uh your soil or the soil isn't getting enough nutrients. Like the plant isn't getting enough nutrients for the soil. And I, so what I did with those containers is I put like some bricks on the bottom so that the water would reservoir yeah. mm-hmm. and I have a hole in the bottom. Well, like an inch up on the side so that the water would spill out. And I, I think I didn't put enough soil in there for the roots of the plants to actually uh, take, uh, to gather enough nutrients. So this year I'm taking all that out. And I'm gonna obviously there's so much more to tomato plants. Like I, for the to plant for the gardeners out there, I'm sure they're like, well, did you add some sort of, uh, uh, did you add some sort of fertilizer to the soil and all? And I did all of that stuff. Um, and so each of them, I added fertilizer like 
a foot beneath the the plant. I planted it, and then I would give it fertilizer six months in, and I would I I worked on them, especially even after they had the blossom end rot. So tried to add lime to add calcium and all sorts of things. Like I said, I could talk about it for a very long time, uh, but. Uh, uh, in the end, they didn't do as well as I would have wanted because I had plans to make tomato sauce and all sorts of stuff, but they didn't do as well. So this year, I'm going to go with some heirloom, some sort of like regular, uh, easily purchased tomatoes. And then I'm also going to work really hard to make sure the soil is tested. Last year, I didn't test the soil to make sure the pH balance is right because for tomatoes, they're they're not as finicky, but if you try to add something to the soil, you can change the consistency mm. of it. So. Would you just buy like potting soil for it? Or would buy soil? Like that way you just can Yeah, I mean that's repurchase is that what you did previously? Yeah, I just oh, bought okay. soil. But, yeah, you, I, but you still weren't sure if it was good soil. No, it's it is good soil, but sometimes you put additives in uh, and it just changes uh, the pH balance pH balance of it. And so um, this the soil that you get from the store still might not be the right consistency, the whatever water you're giving it might have something in it or, you know, that kind of stuff. And so all the soil that I use, I, I definitely buy all of it. I don't just use ground soil because you don't know what kind of impurities. You don't know what's been in that ground. No, but seriously. But it's actually, I mean, especially yeah. in this part of Denver. Yeah. yeah you don't know what's like seeping in from other places or, you know, thankfully my dog does not urinate on my, uh, <laughs> on my plants, but I don't know. You never know what's in there. So yeah. I definitely try to clean it. And, I was going to use compost. Then I have a compost bin, but I didn't know that you couldn't put like, uh, there's some things you can't put in uh, a compost bin. I just thought, oh, I'll just put waste, whatever sort of waste is in there. And uh, I think I put some things in the, in the compost that would add a parasite uh, that is not uh, healthy. Like just like some meat waste or things like gotcha, that. Yeah. And uh, so even though I have a compost bin, I'm, I'm not using it because I'm not sure what sort of bacteria is in there. Yeah. And so, um, but that would be a, a healthy thing to change the balance of the soil as yeah, well. Interesting. So the city does compost. And so I could go get soil from them, but I don't know if I'm going to do that. And they also have a free mulch day if you guys want mulch. Really? For your for your yard. They have, you just come and sh- scoop mulch into your truck and That's pretty you awesome, can have actually. as much mulch as you want. Um yeah. Where, yeah, I need to. I need to ask you more about this compost thing. Yeah. Um, our next door neighbor, Dave. He's infamous. Um, uh, Dave to the left of your. Dave house. to the left. I do. I do. He is infamous. <laughs> Cartel Dave. Um, yeah, for the listeners out there, uh, my neighbor is ex cartel, and uh, that's all I need to know about him. <laughs> but no, but he uh, he is an, an avid gardener. Like he's uh, big into all kinds of lawn care. He used to work in lawn care. So his yard is like immaculate. He's out there like every other day cutting the grass and stuff. Um, he also grows a lot of weed. Yep. <laughs> and so, and his, his plants in his backyard are like eight, nine feet tall. Like it's like, they have a fence, they have a fence up, but they also have like a, like a fenced in area in their backyard for growing his weed. And it's like, when we have our little balcony thing in our backyard, you can see, and these plants are like eight, nine, 10 feet tall. They're huge. Wow. Um, but, Early on when we were there, Hillary had planted a garden and she planted tomatoes. And so Dave had, and he would do this all the time. He'd like walk over and be like, hey, how's it going? And he'd just like, just like spray stuff in our garden. <laughs> just like, he'd spray something. Yeah, he'd like, just spray like whatever you want. Yeah. Like just, uh, and he'd be like, I don't want your stuff. But he, yeah. he'd just walk over and do it. Um, so one time he's like, oh yeah, I got my special stuff. And he sprayed <laughs> it on Hillary's tomatoes. And they 
exploded. Like they like grew, the plant, the plant uh, yeah. like grew so fast and oh, yeah. so big, but they also tasted terrible oh. because I think it like, um, I think whatever it did it accelerated the growth, but then they didn't actually get the nutrients they needed. Sure. So the tomatoes were like just bland and tasteless. It was like, mm. this is like a waste. And so every year we kind of have to fend off Dave from putting yeah. stuff into our, our garden. Another thing uh, that you'll want to do when to control flavor of your tomatoes is you you need to really prune them. And so the more tomatoes that your plant yields, mm-hmm. the the more the nutrients are just they, they spread out. They're yeah. spreading out. Or the flavor is spreading out. So if you prune your plant very often and early, so it only has a couple of sort of producing stems, then by the time you you start getting those yields, the more it's the more leaves your plant has, the more flavor, you know, sun is coming in mm-hmm. and the more flavor will go into your tomato. But if you don't prune them and their leaves are just spreading all that nutrients out. Interesting. And so there's a certain part of the plant like where the stems split and they'll make a Y. Mm-hmm. And if things start – this is very gorgeous to look at. But if things start growing from right here, like from the middle of that Y split, yeah. you need to prune that because it's going to become a producing stem. Interesting. And if you – so I'm whenever I'm working in the garden, I'm constantly pruning those little things and controlling which – how – this tomato plant will yield. And so I want two or three main producing stems and then I cut off all the other ones, but I still want leaves to grow. And so I'll let leaves grow and other stems grow. But if it comes, if there's a Y split like this, mm-hmm. you cut the little thing out of here and that little stem that comes out of the Y, you can replant that as another tomato plant if you wanted to. Like, so if your plant is going to blossom and rot like mine was, you can save it and have the same strain and regrow it, which is uh, which is good to know. But I mean, by that time, you might be later in the season or whatever. But uh, yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, tomatoes, man. Um, so what most yeah. people may not know is that Ad, you are a man of of hobbies. I do love my hobbies. You love your hobbies, and I feel like every year, not in a not this is not in a bad way at all. I feel like, but every year you have like a new hobby. Where it's like <laughs> it's like, and you have like your classics, and you have dancing, and you swing have, dancing, yeah, and you have. I, I feel like you, you love food. Like those things are like. Always going to be the same. Sure. Um, but I feel like, or maybe not every year, every couple months, I feel like you, not like in a, where like you're ditching one thing, but you move into like a space like today. Now you're like in a sourdough phase. So, yeah. one, what are your favorite hobbies that like, I'm just curious because I feel like you have random hobbies sometimes. Sure. And two, how do you decide on your hobbies? Because I feel yeah, like there's so many things you could do, but you focus on certain things. Like, yeah. So uh, what are your favorite hobbies? Yeah, my and, favorite hobbies are probably... Uh, swing dancing, uh, ultimate frisbee, and frisbee. Uh, can, can you say film is a hobby? Like watching, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, and then chess is definitely yep, a I hobby, guess. and ping pong, like <laughs> table tennis. You laugh, but I'm ruthless. I no, I've seen you play. Yeah, I I will. Uh, I actually think the the most angry I've ever seen you, I think is actually which isn't very angry, but I think it was actually oh really around table tennis. When I was playing your de- your uh, father-in-law, yeah, yeah, I think you're just like I just like just like ah, oh, you're just like because you want to win. Like I want to win. I don't. It's not that you're like you're not like angry, angry. Just like like oh yeah, eighty is like heated. He's ready to roll. Uh, and I he won, right? I think so. Can I tell you the truth? Yeah, I let him because <laughs> I was dating your uh, I was dating his daughter, yeah. and it was the first time. We were with a big family thing, and I was like, I can't make this man lose in front <laughs> of his whole entire family. I can say that now because I'm not dating her anymore, but I let him win that game. So were all those emotions fake? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I normally I get into it. Like I'm like, and he was doing well by hundred percent. Let him win. Yeah, and then I think I beat him in chess later because it was just the two of us. Oh yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I think I beat him. Like okay, so. But the ch- the ping pong game, I definitely let him win that. And please don't tell him. But I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to. It's just like, ah, well, okay. Yeah. So my father-in-law is a is a great guy, but he's oh, also he's, he's a really he's a really quiet guy, and he's really good at a lot of stuff. And so he's just like he's I think sixty one now, and he's like super athletic. Yeah, he's like far more athletic than I am, and he's like good at like good at many many things. Um, so, but. That means like when I I like to beat him at stuff because I don't it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah. So, I, chess has typically been one thing where like I can you can beat I can him. beat him yeah, pretty yeah. regularly. And so I feel like actually every time we play it, I beat him, and every time we play, I'm like yes, because yeah, yeah. like, I don't beat him that much in that many stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have a lot of hobbies, but the second thing is like how do you just like why did you get into like tomatoes last year, and why are you into sourdough now? Uh, dude, I just I do the things that I love, and I think that's for me. It's just like. If you want a happy life, do the things that you love. Don't just like fake living, you know. And so, uh, it's funny. My roommate's Instagram. Someone was like, "Adi, I follow you on my roommate's Instagram," as opposed to following my Instagram because <laughs> I don't post about all that stuff. I don't always post. Oh, about, I see what you mean. Yeah, you know, yeah. like he's always like taking pictures of what I'm working on gotcha. or if I'm baking something. He's following your roommate's Instagram and he's posting. Your roommate's posting about you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, way more yeah. than I post about myself because I'm actually doing the thing. And so tomatoes, I love tomatoes. That's one thing that connected me with my dad. He helped me love tomatoes. I think we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and so I was like, oh, I can grow tomatoes. And I have the time, obviously, I'm a photographer. I can <laughs> take the time to like think about and like learn about tomatoes. And so uh, that's why I love tomatoes. And so I want to like, I want to see, I want to grow them. When I before I grew tomatoes, I didn't know the differences or the complexities of flavors of tomatoes. Like when I went to buy the thing, the tomatoes from the heirloom plant store, he was like, "What kind of tomatoes do you like?" And I was like, "Oh, I just what like, do you mean? Like, what do you mean?" He <laughs> what kind like, of question is that? <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Well," and he just went through all these adjectives uh, to describe tomatoes, and I was like, "Wow, this is beautiful." And then now that I grew tomatoes. The best tomatoes I've ever had were off the vine. Like from, they're still warm from the sun, and when you cut them, they have this complexity, this robustness. And I'm like, that's amazing. I I want to do that more. And so, uh, they're so much better than just the best tomato you've ever had. Um, so they can be like a little savory, a little sweet. I mean, I can't even talk about the complexities that this guy was telling me, but um, it helped me go a little bit further into it. And for sourdough. It was just talking with friends and watch a documentary about uh, the health of uh, the health of bread and like how we've made bread for since we since time began. People have been making bread, um, maybe not since time began, but you know. And so, and the same process of making bread through sourdough, but around the '40s or '50s, when big manufacturing came in, we started to try to. Uh, really push the manufacturing of bread, um, and when we did that, uh, we added uh, like uh, fake yeast, and that fake yeast took out a lot of nutrients of the bread, um, or the process rather took out a lot of nutrients, and so we started adding in a lot of additives to make our bread 
that you know enriched. You know, you've heard that for white bread. Right, yeah. This is enriched I see bread. All the time, like enriched but bread. yeah, but yeah. they're putting other stuff into it where bread naturally only has three ingredients plus the elusive fourth ingredient. You know, so it's flour, salt, and water. It's all it is. And so they're saying a lot of people who have gluten allergies and the the you know that this is a newer thing. How why is it that now people have gluten allergies? Not celiac, but like actual yeah, like, like intolerances of things. Right. Yeah. And they're saying this is a new thing because we've eaten bread. It's been the thing that sustained people for so long. It's probably a new thing because they're more allergic to the additives that people are putting in as opposed to the actual bread itself. Or mm. the, you know, gluten is just something that sort of is produced by the bread. It's not necessarily something you can be allergic to or, you know, it's, it's an odd concept when you research it. Uh, and so anyway, uh, yeah. So I was like, Oh, well, I want to kind of be a part of that. Like this is a large sort of tradition that's gone along, gone along for so long as a human. I feel like I should at least know how to make bread. I don't necessarily have to make bread all the time, but it's not hard. It's very you know, it's fairly simple, and uh, I have the time. I can work on it, go edit, work on it, go edit, and so I thought I'd give it a try. And this, listen, I, I haven't. This is this will be the first one. It's literally just the starter. I but. feel like we should do like an Instagram live of eighty bread for the first time. <laughs> just kneading away. <laughs> I watch a lot of baking shows too. Do you yeah. um? Do you ever plan your hobbies? Like, you know, like okay, you know what? It's wedding. We're going to wedding season. I'm busy for the next five months, but. Once October comes, I'm gonna do this thing, all like all fall or all winter long. Uh, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, in the sense of like ultimate, that you can only really play in the spring, and so I've just started playing. I started playing yesterday, um, and so Is that I, way you're limping. That's why I'm limping because <laughs> I'm old and fat again, and it's you know, but I really love I really love playing. It's a lot of fun. And so I don't plan them out like that. I mean, I, I want to like hike more and go uh, to the uh, go to the mountains more. I want to start skiing, but I don't really do it as much. Yeah, I yeah. guess actually it's one that I want to try. I want to I want to try skiing. I've literally been in Colorado for seven. This is over seven years now, I guess, and I've never once skied. In You've never once skied? Not, no. Oh wow! I've skied in Illinois where I grew up, or Wisconsin. Yeah, um, but. Literally, the way that they make the hills is they take the old, like once they're decommissioned, like trash piles, mm-hmm. they put like chairlifts and stuff there and plant grass and then make it into a ski hill. Huh. Um, and so the run, the ski run will take you like if you take like the, I do like a, a green, it'll be like twelve minutes to get down oh, or yeah. like seven minutes. It's like very short runs yeah. because there's a, it's not very tall. Sure. Um, so I don't feel like that really counts as skiing because. I think skiing here would be incredibly different. So I would like to go skiing. That's like... Oh, maybe we'll go skiing. We should do that. Okay. Yeah, because it would right. be the same level. I've been skiing one time and snowboarding one time. And so I felt good about it. I just never went back. We but, won't. Okay. Yeah. Are, you, uh, are you a daredevil? Yeah, you're kind of a daredevil, aren't you? What are you why are you saying it like that? Because I'm not. I'm, I'm, I tend to play things safe when, when my life is in danger. I'm um, not going to put my life in danger. I feel like life is... I feel like just being on skis, your life's in danger. Uh, I mean, I guess I ride a motorcycle, so for that, I'm a daredevil, but it's not like I push myself on the motorcycle. So, because, I mean, Hillary's brother, uh, Hayden, is very, he's, like, always doing crazy stuff, and Harry's like, she's told Hayden, like, FYI, Hayden, when the first time they go skiing, you're not allowed to be with him, because he will do stuff 
Because like you make him do something <laughs> he's not capable of doing, and he will probably get hurt. So, um, no, I I will do a lot of things. Like we went mountain biking for my friend's bachelor party, but I know my limits, and I I will not push my limits at all. So we're all mountain biking, and uh, like downhill mountain biking. Oh, like serious! Like we were mountain biking from the top of Crested Butte Mountain down, and then ski lifting up. It was amazing. It was very very fun going down like pre-made courses for yeah. you know like and they have like the same courses for for skiing so you could have like a green a blue a black a black diamond or, or whatever um and so i was it was my first time doing it and that was uh, another buddy of ours his first time really going down these crazy mountains and we all were doing this thing called outer bike where you rent all these fancy bikes um and it was so fun i loved it you get gear and everything you know and they were like, hey, uh, we're going to go down to black. Who wants to go? Like, let's all do it for The Bachelor. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing that. And it, it, maybe it seemed like I was being a jerk. Like, like sorry, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And they're like, no, AD, we think you can do it. We'll take it easy. And I was like, no. Like, this is my first time. Like, I'm not going down to black. And uh, they all went down. Two of them went to the hospital that day. Oh my yeah. gosh! <laughs> <laughs> like over the same jump, I think one of them came down, broke his collarbone. The other one broke his ankle. Like broke, and they went to the hospital. And I was like, "See, yeah, I told you, like, I'm, I'm not doing that." Like <laughs> the same run too. And so I, uh, anyway, so I won't push myself past certain limits. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. Like, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I also feel like I, I wouldn't push myself past that because. I know. I know how good I... I know what my potential is. Yeah. And I also know what my skill is. So I was like, my potential could be here, but my skill doesn't quite match up yet. Right. Um, and I think, like, even though I have my best potential, like, I know, okay. Yeah. That's not going to happen. What about you, man? What are, what are your hobbies? Um, what are you... I feel besides like my, chess. Besides obviously. chess, yeah. Um, for I think a long for a long time, and it, coffee has been a hobby of mine. Sure. But yeah. I... I've had to like go in, in and out to these different phases of it. For a long time, I was just drinking lots of coffee and just like learning lots about tasting. And then I got into roasting and I roast my own coffee. Um, actually, I don't because it was pretty short lived in, in its inception. But about a year ago, my other brother in law, Hamilton, and I were talking about launching a coffee roasting company. And so we we're planning on launching this company. And we actually had it in, kind of in the works for a while. We had this. Um, this girl who's in Colorado Springs, who's probably going to come on board as like the lead roaster, and we're like, okay, we're actually going to do this. We're going to like maybe buy a roaster, get this whole process. But um, she actually ended up moving, getting offered a position to be a head roaster at a pretty established roastery, and she couldn't turn it down. And like, I can't blame her, and it was amazing. So she's there. Um, and I actually haven't thought about it much since then because we kind of like put it on a back burner and haven't talk, haven't really like done anything with it. But that'd be a pretty big goal of mine. But the problem, like, this is a problem. I think I have a hobby. And my natural inclination is like business stuff. So I feel like it's very easy for me to be like, how can I make money doing this? Because I'm already doing it. Like, why as well make some money? And I feel like I need more things that I can just be enjoy because I enjoy them and not half the pressure of like, this should be something. I think that's like a, a lot of people with photography. Like they get into photography because it's a hobby or they're, you know, enjoy it. And then it, pretty soon it becomes a business. And then you're like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> I'm trying to be careful that, that I don't like step into too much stuff for that sure. our hobbies that, so but yeah, coffee's been a big one. Um, 
I don't know, man. Chess, just games. I just enjoy playing games. Yeah. Right? I feel like you're traveling. Traveling, yeah. Say, I feel like you're big hobby. kind yeah. of an expert traveler. Yeah, I feel like traveling is a big hobby. I feel like I lived overseas twice and we traveled regularly. So I feel like because of that, um, yeah, I'm always pretty open to or pretty excited to go traveling more. So, yeah, like I feel like we try to do one big trip a year if we can, if not, it's a couple ones. So, those are, yeah, those are pretty big hobbies. Um, do you feel like your hobbies impact the way you see the world, the way you photograph stuff, or the way, how you interact with, with like life outside of work, or balancing things, or like I don't know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of playing off that idea of like hobbies turning into jobs. I mean, I, I, I yeah. feel like I'm bad at that, but I feel like you're better at that. So, well, I mean, I think I try to not like swing dancing. I'm a decent swing dancer, Lindy Hopper. And I've so, seen you dance, bro. It's it's lit. I appreciate it. As the kids say. Uh, it is lit. Raucous, if you will. <laughs> that's my new word. It's raucous. Okay, that sounded horrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it when you say it that way. It's raucous. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I try not to make Lindy Hop and into Did a you business. ever have a chance to, like, to go pro? I could, I could probably still like compete. And then once you compete, you start a teaching circuit and people invite you. And apparently, this is an odd thing, but overseas or like in like Japan and, you know, in the Asian countries, uh, Lindy Hop is an African-American dance. And so they value bringing like an African-American over to teach them to dance. And so the African-Americans that I know who are on the circuit of teaching, they're like, no, when you go overseas, you're like a god. Like... It's almost like if you wanted to learn, if you wanted to learn martial arts, and you could go. You're like a sweaty yeah. white guy. Yeah, it's or. Good. You just, or, or you could. Have, <laughs> 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 who literally knows nothing, but yeah. he has an accent, and it's amazing. Yeah. And so, uh, I think it's equivalent to that over, uh, from what I've heard over there. And so, I could probably still get on that circuit a little bit. I, I, you know. I'm a decent dancer, um, I, but I have chose not to compete. I've chose not to be in that world. I don't like and that. That's intentional. You've chosen yeah, just because I don't. I want to keep loving it. I yeah. want to. I want it to be for fun. I want to do the social. I want to social dance, and so I've had people ask me to teach, and I've had you know. Not, you, you do like you've taught yeah, things here and there. It's like yeah, not all the time, but yeah, like, people ask me yeah, to teach, yeah. and I do it every now and then. I'll say no every you know more often, but. Uh, just because I want to keep it fun. Um, but do, does it inform imagery? And I think yes. I think everything does. I think in a way, if you're open to keeping your mind open, I think that's what chess has probably done more than anything else is that chess just shows you, hey, there are other options. There are other ways to do things. And so in photography, I'm thinking of the chess game. I'm thinking, oh, there's a different way to do this. Like, you don't have to go the same route every time. You can shoot the, you can shoot the details in the air or whatever. You know, like yeah, that's actually really interesting because I feel like that's one takeaway I have from chess. That is exactly that. Is like sometimes I get, I'm in this moment like, what do I do? What do I do? Like I have this, I, I need to move out of this position, and there's a very obvious move. That doesn't always appear obvious necessarily, but it's it's there right in front of you, and like and it just it's there. But you have to see it and you have to do it. And I'm like, man, like sometimes I kick myself because it's like a very simple thing. Yeah. But it's literally just seeing it differently, 
and you see that you think you only have two options, but you actually have like four or five. And that's where I'm like, man, there are so many other potentials out there. And I think that chess has really opened me up to see things that way. Like, man, there are always more than one, more than one way. Typically, there's more. Yeah, there's typically more than one way to go. Yeah, which. Hmm. And for me, dancing does it in a similar thing too. And this is what I'm trying to understand in photography. There's this idea that expertise is. The expertise is knowing when to use uh, the tools in your toolbox. So in photography, you know, I'm like, oh, I can do X, Y, and Z. I'm so skilled at this thing, or I can shoot through a mirror or a reflection. Or, but at some point, the skill comes. The skill is there. I can do all of these interesting things, but I have to know when to use it. And expertise is knowing when to use those hmm. things. You know, and that's that le- leads us itself to mastery. And so, in in dancing, if the song is like really relaxed and it's like do goo do goo do or whatever, then I have to move to match that song. I can't just dance Charleston really big and flashy. The song doesn't dictate that. And so that has taught swing dancing has taught me to fill a space based on what's around and listen better, obviously, because I'm listening to the music and dancing to the music. You'll see that when you go see people swing dance, they will very, uh, it's very clear, this guy is just dancing to, he's just, the music's playing, he's dancing to the beat of the song, but he's not dancing to the melody. And he's just doing moves that he has learned in a class, or he's doing the same moves over and over again. And that that that'd be me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine when you're starting, but that repetition is the the death of invention, I would say, you know, in that sense. It it will create a great a decent dancer, but to be musical and really to enjoy the subtleties of the dance, you have to be able to say, "Okay, I can dance on beat now. Now, what is the music telling me to do?" And the music's telling you so much. And so every song and every partner you dance with is extremely diverse. So the same way in photography, if I go into uh, a situation and my client's different, and my uh, and I walk into the room and they're the, the music's soft or the, the the people are just relaxed, or whatever whatever factors that can that I can think of to factor into the image, I take that and I think like all right. I'm going to shoot this in a softer way. I'm going to shoot this in a in a louder way, or this is going to be more fun or more energetic or more whatever. And I want to dance to the scene or dance, you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I would say dancing definitely informs my photography in that way. Um, that's, I, that's, I think, really insightful and really interesting. Because, so yesterday I shot with, with Fran. We did this big shot. did like three or four different looks all across, you know, I... And I posted one photo today of her in like this black dress up against this like paisley backdrop. It's really and the backdrop cool. is like really bold. Like it's like really paisley. Sure. Um, and I think like I'm at this point like in portrait work right now where I see something and then I have to think about it afterwards to figure out what exactly I saw. I can't like I'm not able to fully process my creative ideation until later on, until I'm sure. looking through it and stuff like that. So, and this, and that one, I think that one of the things I'm interested in is like these contrasts of like bold colors and like things that are like kind of like dissonant, like this paisley thing is kind of dissonant. But when you put like this, like, you know, with a frame in front of there with like this black dress and like this nice shape of like the way her arms are, I think it creates this like really like, um, like beautiful, like 
just like flow to the image that is in contrast to the distance in the background. And I think that's when like, and then looking at the images when I was calling through them, I was like, oh, this actually really speaks to what I'm wanting. But I can't, I don't have words to put it until, until afterwards. Where it's like, okay, this is what I, I want to have this contrast. And I think to go back to what you were just saying, about like knowing the melody and dancing to the melody and like trying to figure out what am I, I think right now I'm figuring out what am I dancing, quote unquote, dancing to. Like what's the thing I'm actually working alongside of or in, in tangent with or. I'll say two things. And because I, I like that you're thinking this way and you're like, oh, this is different. And I'm trying. I say you don't always have to know. Like for me, that's the that's the job of, in photography, especially, especially Instagram. Uh, we have to be uh, the commentarian, like the commenter and also the athlete. We have to take the photographs and then also tell you why we take the photographs and what they mean. The artist doesn't necessarily have to do that. And I think. We we make the art. It's a it's a I don't know who said it, but we make the art and let other people decide if it's art or not. But mm. we're already doing the thing, and so yes, I like knowing the song. But the idea that I knew the song only came after me dancing, and someone being like, "Hey, how are you doing that?" And I was like, "Oh, the song told me to." But first, I danced and realized, and then someone was like, "Hey, you're doing something different. Why did you do that?" So I would say for you. Don't be con- so concerned of your. I think the why is also important. That's why I'm like, ah, oh, it's it's a, it's a sure, it's yeah, two yeah. sides of an argument. But I think we we stress so much to uh, understand why the art exists and like what. But it's in you. It it exists. Just make it. Like do the dissonant thing. Don't don't be like, oh, can I explain it? There is the other side to defining your visual language and letting people know what this means and so it since it makes sense so if it makes sense to them or it's too different they won't understand it and they won't look at it and so sometimes you have to explain to people mm-hmm. like if i say the words uh you know uh choo choo my juju you know or something like that i don't know that sounds weird now that i said it, I, but, I like it though but <laughs> if i was to say in another language choo choo means i and then my juju means uh, love you. Then I was like, hey, choo-choo, my juju. You're like, oh, dang, AD, I love you too. You know what I mean? You're like, once I define that language, mm-hmm. then it can mean more to people. Yeah. But So that's the other side of it. If you want people to really connect with it, sure. But on the, other, on the artistic side, dude, just make a dissonant. Do whatever you're doing yeah. and let people respond to it however they respond to it. Don't necessarily cull it down to, hey, this is dissonant art. Someone else might see it and be like, "Oh, wow, you're you're really minimalist," or whatever they right, see, yeah. and that's beautiful. No, no, you're right. And I think that's like that's what I'm trying to like work through is like I'm I think I'm at this point where I'm trying. I know generally what I'm trying to create, but I don't have a way to describe it. I wouldn't have a I can picture it, but I can't say it. Sure. And that's where I think a lot of people are at. Was like, okay, how do I actually get there? And then, but to your point, like learning these other school other skill sets or those tools of like. Knowing the difference between like a beat and a melody, sure, makes a difference. And also knowing the difference, like knowing in photography, like maybe the, like the out, the difference between like a photograph and an image, sure, um, yeah. is a big thing too. Like those things can be very different. And so I think, and but also sometimes you can't know that until you're doing the thing, until right. you're actually out there, like in the in the weeds making something. And you like because I've had this happen all the time on shoots where I will shoot something, um, and then I'm like. I didn't like what I came up with. I didn't like right. what I got because I, I think like that, 
I wasn't able to translate the mental energy or whatever into the actual like output. Um, and so- in that, I've, I, this is what we do these uh, at the workshops. We'll do like a blind fo- portfolio review where we'll have people just show their images. And what I love about that is this idea of um, understanding, especially on the back end while you're editing, what the purpose of this photo is. And so let's say... One photo comes to mind uh, in particular, which I loved. The photo was of a bride in this like soft window light, and they had uh, forward focused the image, and so it was just off focus, right, like just off like an inch of the tip of her nose. Mm-hmm. But she looked, you know, so buttery, and it was beautiful. And then on the bottom right, they had shot. You know how you can just like shoot through the doorknob of a thing, and it was just a little area of distortion. And they they put the image in front of us, and I was like, listen, we all know what this photograph is. This is a simple, beautiful image of a bride in light. And then since you're cool, and since you're a hip photographer, you put this little orb of gold of the handle on the bottom right. But it, it, it takes my eye here. It takes away from what you're trying to tell me. So what we talked about in that class was have a, a simple message or a simple a simple idea that you're trying to put forth in your image the, the image the idea can be uh, that the image is confusing confusing or the image the simple idea can be that the image uh, has a lot going on or that it's beautiful or that it, but once you see the image and you're like this is a beautiful image then all your decisions kind of go this is for post processing for me I shoot that way too, but if I'm like, I want to take a pretty portrait and I want it to be simple, then I'm looking for simple, clean backdrops. It's very easy. I'm like, I, I, I need to stop trying to do everything that I know how to do. Yeah. In, in, one, in one photo. Yeah, yeah exactly. in one yep. photo. It's yeah. like, oh, motion blur and this, and then the light, <laughs> and then the lightning came down and a giraffe came from yeah. the side and ate his arm and boom, I took a photo. I'm like, no, have a body of work. Make this, if you want a simple, beautiful image of this and so that for for me it helps me decide so much when i'm shooting and also in post-processing oh should i take out this little light switch well what is this photo trying to say is it simple and pretty and beautiful then yeah i'll take this out or whatever or that light or that orb of light for them i was like you made the decision to put this in here but why what was the is it just because you could put it in there or does it sing with the the melody of beauty mm. or you know you know what i mean and so when and they were like yeah you're right like we were just like is that cool we don't know and that's why they put the photo yeah. up in front of me i think i think a lot of times we feel inadequate like just having a good photo isn't enough like yeah because i think we see so many great photos that like just being good is feels like it's no longer good enough which i think is i think it's that level of like mastery that like you talked about like you That's have to mastery. become the master of like how do you like become saying like no like this is sufficient as it is and i think like if you don't know why or why it's not sufficient that's probably showing that like hey we got some work to do because if you can look at a photo and be like i don't know if it's good enough like it might not be and that's okay it doesn't have to be perfect but also knowing like okay like what is it going to take to to get to the point where you can be like nope this is perfect the way it is yeah um, there's a there's a fashion designer uh, I think it's Coco Chanel. And she says, uh, look in the mirror after you've gotten yourself ready and take the last thing off or, you know, the last thing you put on off. It's just this idea of like, it's, you're there already. It's simpler than you're thinking. Like, relax. Like, 
and this 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 sort of that's the mastery of like knowing when to go for it and well i'm not saying that copper flare is bad mm-hmm. cuz people are doing you know i think it's kind of over now but people are doing this whole copper flare ring but it's a serious ring in your image when you shoot through a piece of copper but sometimes it's just not necessary like i'm like you made a cool image already and this little ring of light actually detracts from the image yeah. that you made like it it's 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 cool. You have the ability to do it, and that's neat. I like that you have the ability, but it also shows me that you don't have the the ability to tell me that you can do it in the right time. Right. Like in the right time is not because this image is a beautiful image. It's not an interesting or like uh, it doesn't need this copper ring of flare. It, it just you know. And I had to. I'm still learning that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, when when is this? All the tools in my bag. When do I use them? Mm-hmm. When when do I slow the shutter down, or when do I use flash, or any of those things? Yeah. It's like when do I do that? I think yeah. we try to we try to make it formulaic, where it's like okay, yeah. I've taken this many, I've taken thirty minutes of like quote unquote boring photos. So now I gotta like now to make it more interesting, I gotta do something different. I gotta like break out a prism or glass or something because we feel like everything else is just like plain. And I think there's an element of like just exactly what you said, essentially just like knowing. Now is the time because of this reason. And then again, like you have to like stumble through those things on their yeah. own. But I think there is an element of like, yeah, knowing knowing when to dance to the right beat or the yeah. melody. And there is a time to dance to the melody. There's a time and I so, was shooting a church wedding and they're like, Don't come past this line, blah 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 and I was like, Oh, my hands are tied and I I don't I did that where I was like, Okay, I'll shoot the safe stuff and you should do that as a wedding photographer mm-hmm. especially. You should get that stuff. You should dance on beat for a little bit so you understand what's going on. You're not like out there. And then I was like, oh, look at this organ or look at this door back here. And let me just, all right. And I just went with it. I got some really neat images because I was like, all right, let's think differently. So I do think you should think differently. But yeah. in that, there's still, what are you trying to say? What are you doing? Like, stop and take a second and think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the photo doing? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, and t- t- if you're like me, who's a bad dancer, like, the best <laughs> that I can get is dancing to the beat. <laughs> and that's okay, too. Sometimes you can only do what you can do. And, like, just because 80s over there, like, doing all kinds of crazy, like, twirls and dances and flips and spins and all stuff like that, it means, like, he can, he can do that. I physically cannot. And also, I look crazy and terrible doing it. I should do what I can, and that's okay. Just do what you can. Yeah, nah, I mean, nah. you, a couple lessons. I'll have you flipping around the. Dance I mean, I think somebody actually asked, like, "Hey, would AD give us lessons?" And oh, um, yeah. Apparently, I'm going to do all that. I'm going to water your plants. I'm going <laughs> to give you guys dance lessons. What else do you need? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But sure, dude. We'll uh, we'll dance it up. Maybe I'll do like a little dance class for my friends or something. You know, just like because I love it. I want everyone to dance. I think. Have you ever been to a dance battle? Uh, not a dance battle. A rap battle. Have I ever been to a a rap battle? Yeah, this is not related to dance. I have not been to a rap battle, but I have been to a dance battle. Okay, I feel like you've been. In, I want to go to a rap battle. Yeah, really badly. You want to do it right now? I don't want to go. To, I don't want to do one. I want to attend one and see it go down. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I've never it's, been. To it's one. for another time. Yeah, well, let's um, make sure we look up rap battles because they look really serious online. They do. Yeah, it looks scary. I'm like I'm like, are these guys really mad at each other? Yeah. Like I don't know because they always, this yeah stuff? they shake hands afterwards. Yeah, yeah, which. I don't know what I think about rappers because they like they're like having these they're rapping right and it's all about like ooh I killed this person or or whatever or whatever like 
But then they they're like talking about really nice things sometimes. <laughs> like they're still singing me a song, you know. So in my mind, it's like eh, it's not that bad. Like you're singing me a song. Like sometimes you just gotta. You can't be that hard. Or like they're talking about kissing girls. I'm like that's a sweet thing, you know. Like I don't. <laughs> anyway. Yo, this is the Black Light Podcast. I don't know where to go with that. I don't know where to go with that either. Close out with that. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're going to actually get get up with some new things in the next few weeks. Um, we're going to have a couple of interviews with people, but also we're going to run through some interviews of uh, AD and myself, which would be cool too. Yeah. Let's be in behind the curtain. Behind the veil of Adonia Jaja and Levi Tiarina coming to you soon on the Blacklight Podcast. <laughs> Boom. All right. We'll catch you all next week. Peace. Peace.